Welcome to Lost Without Japan, a travel podcast about the life-changing experiences of exploring Japan and those moments we would be lost without. For your listening pleasure, allow me to introduce your very own Kanko Gaido, Michael. Welcome to this week's episode of Lost Without Japan, a podcast based on Japan and your Lost Without Moments. This is your director of travel for TKIC Studio Productions, coming to you with positive thoughts and excitement for your next journey to Japan and his own return in summer 2023. I'd like to thank you for giving me a bit of your time today, and I truly hope this podcast finds you in a good place or on the path to a better one, no matter how it may seem at this moment. My belief is that we can all use a beacon like this one in our lives to help guide us during these times, and my hope is that Japan, along with this show, will become that for you. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. If you're returning Lost Without Listener, thank you again for your time and returning once more. As always, the advertising I include in my shows is done for free and to help continue to promote the friends of the show that we've interviewed in the past. Let's start today's show with some positive mental imagery, as I'm saving a spot for you at the New York Bar in Tokyo. So let's imagine that today is the day for your trip, and come on, what better way is there to start off Tokyo with simply a stunning view? Remember to double-check you have all of your luggage, your passport, and phone before you get out of the Lost Without Japan rideshare. You've made it. Today's the day we continue your journey through Japan. Go ahead, take a few deep breaths and come along with your tour group as we make sure that your journey to Tokyo is as wonderful as possible, whether it's your first trip or return to this wonderful city. I cannot begin to express how excited I am for today's episode, and it's been one I've wanted to do ever since watching Lost in Translation for the first time back in, I think, pretty sure it was October of 2003. For the purpose of the, our show, we're going to use the middle of June 2023 for rates for lodging, knowing full well, as always, that these rates can vary as dates get closer, or festivals happen, or holidays. So make sure to double check for yourself, and if the rates look wonderful, book as far out in advance as you possibly can. Remember, you can always reach out to the show at lostwithoutjapan at gmail.com or lostwithoutjapan on Instagram. As always, you can even access the show's Google document in the description for today's show, and it is filled with so many different things. There's travel recommendations. There's our Google Maps for every place that we've talked about, fully accessible when you are on your trip and even direct links for Apple and Spotify for past trips so that you don't have to scroll through my feed that's going on two years now to find what you're looking for. I am truly looking forward to both of us supporting each other's dreams and goals. If you've been enjoying our show, please think about supporting our completely crowdfunded show. Information is available on on how you can participate in Patreon in today's show's notes. As always, today's timestamp to bring you directly to our talk on spots from the movie Lost in Translation for Tokyo 
can be found in the notes for this show. To start us off, I wanted to just give a little bit of history about Lost in Translation. And let me tell you, there's not been a movie that's come close to this one as far as impact in my life. And I got to say that there's probably at least one or two of you that are listening to the show that have feel the same way when it comes to Lost in Translation. Not only did it give me some inspiration for choosing the name of our podcast, but it also helped me make my first trip to Fulbright when I went to Japan even more meaningful as the locations used in filming were some of the ones I visited back in person back in 2004. It resulted in such an enormous bond for me for those visits that I still return to them. Case in point, New York Bar. Every time I'm in Tokyo, I don't care how much time I have, I'm going to be admiring the view that is from this spot. And it makes Tokyo a place that, even though, yes, I get overwhelmed there in a relatively short period of time, but it is always one that I do look forward to. And I have to say, I've been holding on to my son and I's orange camo t-shirts that we are going to flip inside out with a jacket just like Bill Murray did when we were karaokeing, kind of like what he did with Scarlet. And I can't wait to share those pictures with you at a later point in time. It is these locations that we are going to be discussing about today in our day trip episode of Tokyo. And like I said, they will be saved in our Google Map location, which will be in the show's Google Doc link and also in today's show's notes. In my opinion, I feel this movie was helped with the addition of Bill Murray, and I'm not sure that it would have received all the press it would have without him. You know, the amazing foresight of Sofia Coppola to notice also the potential for Scarlett Johansson and her performance in Manny and Lowe in 1996 so much impacted her that she offered her a role in The Virgin Suicides, which came out in 99, but was turned down by Scarlett because she felt the script was too intense. That being said, she didn't forget about her and offered a very young 17-year-old Scarlett Johansson the role of Charlotte, which she accepted and really, truly put this actor on the map. Sometimes things are just meant to be in life. And so much that happened prior to filming and Deering could have brought this movie to a halt. Starting with it being filmed in just 27 days and with a budget of only $4 million, with a quarter of that that went to Murray alone for his role in the film. Sophia had a huge roadblock to overcome in casting Bill. Though, as she'd, you know, never met him, and he's incredibly hard to contact if you didn't know, and he even relied upon a 1-800 number to have people contact him. He has no agent or others assisting him and has full control of whatever he wants to do for his role. Sophia was told by others to have a backup plan, but told numerous people that if he said no, the movie was not going to be made. After five months of phone calls and letters with no response, she reached out to her friend and screenwriter, Mitch Glazer, who worked with Bill on the movie Screwed and is one of his good friends. For the first time, he ended up thinking that this role was meant for him. 
He did throw a good word in to Bill and, you know, said, hey, you should give an answer about this role. But Bill wouldn't give anyone an answer when it came to this. But, you know, Sophia didn't quit there either. And she also knew that Murray had some ties with Wes Anderson, who was finally able to set up a dinner for Sophia, Bill, and himself. After that meeting, he felt that Bill would end up making this film. And even after all that, Murray didn't even end up signing a contract. He just gave a verbal commitment saying, yes, Sophia, I'll be there. I'll meet you in Tokyo. But his friends said that, listen, Bill is a man of his word. And if he says he's going to be there, he is going to be there. The movie, for me, at least truly had to have been filmed in Tokyo because it perfectly adds to the feeling of being lost by both Scarlett Johansson's character, Charlotte, and Bill Murray's character, Bob, who are both struggling in their own way. Charlotte's struggles stem from her trying to find out about, you know, who she is and who is she going to end up being at this young point in her life as she struggles with all of this and an also very young marriage. And then we have Bill Murray's character who's struggling to find out, kind of on the opposite side of those things, who he's become after his acting career has passed him by. And his marriage of over 20 years has struggles in and of itself. Both characters have something that they see in each other, and their friendship begins after they end up meeting at the New York bar. If you haven't seen the movie yet, I'd ask you to do so and let me know what you think. As it is a movie I've easily seen over a hundred times, I'm definitely, you know, someone that is, you know, hard to be partial when it comes to this movie, but I'd love to hear you, if you're a fan of Japan and haven't seen it to this point, what exactly your thoughts are on this movie. That being said, Rotten Tomatoes review is an 89%, which is definitely a good one for any movie to have. And I'll probably give more information in the future if you'd like to have a possible viewing party with me and let us all geek out and share our own takes and favorite parts of this movie. I was thinking no better way to celebrate a birthday uh, for myself this summer. Some additional trivia for the movie is that Sofia Coppola based the character Charlotte and her husband, John Giovanni Ribzi, on herself and her husband at the time, Spike Jones. Now, before we start talking about our Lost Intent Translation day trip to Tokyo, I did want to go ahead and give a quick shout out to Nihongo Jobs, powered by Kasha of Ikigai Connections. If your dream is to build a career around your Japanese slash English language and or cultural skills, check out ikigaiconnections.com for country-specific resources and inspiring senpai success stories. If you're specifically looking for a Japanese job in the U.S., search for one at nihangojobs.com. For those of you beginning your journey with me today at Tokyo Station, we'll begin our day by heading off to the Tokyo Park Hyatt to drop off our luggage before venturing out to visit the filming locations that are still open from Lost in Translation. If you'd rather head out and begin your exploration straight from the station, you can utilize luggage lockers 
at Tokyo Station. But <laughs> please, really take note of where that is, as there are over 10 exits from the station. It's enormous, and you don't want to lose your luggage or just misplace the locker that you used and spend an absorbent amount of time unnecessarily trying to find it again. Because my friends, there are over 5,000 lockers in the station. Now, I love 99.9% of Japan. However, Tokyo Station is part of my list of places to avoid, if at all possible. I would not recommend looking to meet someone in Tokyo Station at a location other than a very specific platform for the train that you are taking. I would very much recommend instead just meeting outside of that station somewhere and going in together. You cannot always count on cell phone reception, and there are over 450,000 people that go through this station in a day. You're going to feel like you're swimming against the stream in its 182,000 square meter environment. It is truly not a location you want to be in at rush hour or in the morning or evening when people are returning from work. This is when you will see that staff with the white gloves come out and physically push everyone into a train car. And just so that those doors can shut again. And I have to tell you, I had that experience more times than I care to uh, have happen again, where I ended up getting bumped by someone who was probably bumped by somebody who was bumped by somebody and the door shut and it was so packed that I was leaning backwards at a pretty good like degree of this and I was stuck in that spot for the entire time like four minutes which honestly felt like an hour until those doors opened up again and people were able to write themselves so truly Avoid those rush hour times in Tokyo. After Bob lands, you see multiple locations on his drive to the Tokyo Park Hyatt. One common theme for this movie, and let me tell you, others in general, is they move locations from place to place and set them where it's convenient for the movie. Case in point, if you've seen Pacific Rim, you know, <laughs> those of you that have seen pictures of Tokyo or been to Tokyo itself know that Mount Fuji isn't smack dab right downtown in Tokyo. <laughs> now, I'll be covering locations for the most part as they appear in the movie, but I'm going to be trying to group them as much as it makes sense as well. I'll be adding some extra notes in Google Maps for this show so that you can reference them for your visit and listen along with those for today. Now, I'm not going to be covering everything that you've seen in the movie. I don't have that much time, and I have to tell you, I have spent a ton of time researching and trying to find locations for you today. This is probably easily the most research I put into a day trip episode, and I already spend probably at least two weeks normally doing so. So I truly hope that you enjoy yourself when you go out and adventure through Tokyo and see these locations yourself. The first location I'm going to share was not in the movie at the time of its filming, but it was probably the best current great location that can bring you to the Red Kabuki Cho Ichiban Gai Gate that marks one of the main entrance into Kabuki Cho from Yasu Kuni Dori. 
One of the last things you see before Bob arrives at the Park Hyatt is also a shot of a blue and red neon sign for Shibuya-based pharmacy and cosmetic chain Sanzin-ri Drug Jinyan Shop. Even though it looks like that this location is right along you know, his drive at the time for that Kabukicho drive, it's actually located in the Shibuya Scrambling, crossing right next to Q Front. And to this day, the neon sign has actually been replaced with a digital screen. You can still get a picture of this, you know, as it flips through this iconic image from the movie, but it will be in between various advertisements that now appear on the screen. And who knows? Why don't you go in and go inside and grab some of your necessities for your Tokyo adventure? After which, you can take some time and take in the Shibuya scramble, head up to that Starbucks that everyone knows about. And if you're lucky, pull out that clear umbrella you can get at pretty much every convenience store you go to and reenact Charlotte's scene as she's walking to the train station early on in the movie. This brings us to our choice for lodging for the stay, the Park Hyatt Tokyo. This is one location in Tokyo that I religiously visit no matter how short my time is during my stay and at least get one drink at the New York bar before heading back out to explore. Currently, the rooms are running around $673 a night on many discount travel sites. And for those of you who are saying, you know, Mike, that's a lot of money. You're right. But guess what? That is marked down from the normal $898 a night that they are currently charging for a base room. Now, for most of my other people that have talked about like staying there that are huge fans of the movie as well, they say it was worth them for them. I mean, you got to stay where they stayed, where the movie was filmed, and kind of explore all that that has to offer. And I would say, you know what? It'd be great to do so. But if you are not a fan of the movie, there are other locations that you could easily enjoy and stay at for around that same amount and have a location that's going to be more current, uh, up to date, and probably offer you more than you're going to be getting. If you want a king size bed with a higher deluxe view, that's going to set you back over $1,000. And if that's not enough for your stay, you can look into booking a suite that range anywhere from $3,471 a night to $7,883 for the presidential suite. If I win the lotto one day and have some wild and crazy Patreon donations start coming from all of you, sure, you could end up hearing me do a podcast recording from that $1,000 a night room. But for my son and I for this trip this summer, and for probably a good chunk of you coming with me on this tour, we're going to still have a pretty spectacular experience as we share some food and drinks at the New York bar. Now, it's not easy for all of us, especially if you're going for the first time, to find the New York bar on the 52nd floor. It is not easy and filled with headaches. And even though I know what I'm doing now, it still takes me a little bit to get there. You think, Mike, how hard can it be? Get an elevator. Go up to 52nd floor, step out, ta-da, you know, but that's not the case at all, my friends. So what you need to do is go to the second floor and walk through to the other side of the building 
until you find the elevators. This first group of elevators will only take you up to the 41st floor. We're going to need to get out and take a right. You're going to end up walking toward the very last corner where you're going to find another set of elevators in which you're going to take the second elevator up to the 52nd floor and you will finally be able to experience the amazing view and ambiance of the New York bar. And I must say, the view during the day, it's wonderful, don't get me wrong, and it's worth all the effort to get there. But at night, this location transforms into something breathtaking. And for me, the at least 2,500 yen per person cover charge to listen to jazz music and explore all that that has to offer is totally worth it. That cover charge usually starts occurring around 6.30 when music does. And if you're staying at the Park Hyatt, though, guess what? You have 2,500 yen coming back to you that you will not be charged for, and you can put that towards like half a glass of whiskey for like those base starting prices. Now, the bar closes at 11 p.m., Sunday through Wednesday, and at midnight the rest of the week. And like I said, usually I think is opening around that 5.30 time. Just check the website because that has changed from when I was there last time. Now, one thing to take into note is that last orders for food will be taken in advance of that last hour before closing. So if they close at 11, you should probably try to get that order in around 9.45, just so you don't miss out. That won't include drinks. They'll keep on doing those. But if you want the tacos to go with it, make sure to place that in. Now, one other thing to note at this location is it is an upscale dress code. And please, 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 don't be like me when I came back in 2017, when I came during the temperatures of summer, and I was dressed night with a button-up shirt, but I had khaki shorts. Dress shorts, but khaki shorts. It's a bajillion degrees. And I was denied entry into the location, my friends. So if you're going at night... You know, I'm contemplating even just bringing a bag and having a change of pants when I get closer, <laughs> you know, you know, somewhere to where I can put them on or just use my bamboo fiber, um, you know, pants and things like that and try to make my trek there as short as possible. One other thing that they won't let you have is no sandals, uh, no sports attire, no tank tops, no training pants. You, you need to dress up for this uh, spot that is here, okay? For those of you looking to take a picture, though, it's probably going to pay you to arrive early. And please be discreet about it. Make sure that you're not including other people in the background of your photos. That is a thing in Japan and also something that they look out for at this location. I have asked the staff in the past to take my picture, and I've been told both yes and no. If you do end up trying to take a picture together with your group, just be polite. And if the staff comes out and asks you to stop doing so, just be polite about it. And, you know, kind of put things away and just take in the view. Believe me, though, when I go, one of the things I'm going to want to do is take a picture of my son and myself. That's for sure. But what I would refrain from is if they allow for it and you're being discreet and all those things are here, take one. Quick photo, make sure it turns out, and then just sit down and enjoy the rest of your time. 
don't be taking like tons of photos of yourselves and be a distraction to other guests and things that are there. It's not a large location. They really make it look bigger than it is in the filming of the movie. And they that's a theme, <laughs> you know, for, for this is sure. Now, if you're looking to not break the bank, you're like, Mike, I'm already out 2,500 yen, around 25 bucks. Um, less than that, of course, with conversion. Um, and I'm going to be out, uh, you know, $50 to have a drink here. Yes. Uh, you know, at a base. Your less expensive beer could probably be around 1,300 yen with your least expensive glass of wine being around 2,000 yen and one of the lesser expensive glass of whiskey are going to be a 5,000, you know, $50, you know, $50, 5,000 yen price point up to hundreds, if not way more than that. Those zeros matter, my friend. Now, I've been there, like I said, numerous times, but don't let being tired at the end of your trip be an excuse for missing those zeros. (laughs) And placing an order for two glasses of whiskey and a small plate of tacos, expecting your bill to be around $45 US, like 4,500 yen, because I got there before the music, before cover charges, and you have those glasses end up costing you over $100 each. And the server comes back to you in a very polite manner, telling you that you have not paid enough. Embarrassing, (laughs) let me tell you. So please double check those zeros. Now, after that New York bar experience and our lodging, we're going to head out to the temple that Charlotte visits early on in the movie and hope to carry some positive blessings with us as we move on to Jogan G Temple. Then we're going to look to take that positive vibes and stuff out karaoke with us as well. Some people mention that this temple closes around 5 p.m., so keep that in mind with the rest of your plans if you're trying to make all of this be a one-day activity. There are a few stations around equal distance to this location, all requiring some under-your-own-power to get to the temple. Local recommendations... Come in as Nakano Sakao Station, which I've saved in our Google Maps because people say that it's more of a downhill trek than others. Regardless, it's going to take you around probably four minutes to get from the station. There's also a Joganji May bus stop that drops you off right out front as an option as well, which I've also saved in our Google show map locations. The shade offered in this Buddhist temple could be just what you need during the hottest summer months. The entrance to the temple is pretty impressive itself, with a pretty large wood carving of the zodiac that you can see on your visit as well. Apparently this temple has a connection with horses, and it's the horses are thought to bring good fortune. So take that good fortune with you, grab those orange camo shirts, flip them inside out, cut out that tag, and go on to karaoke at Karaoke Con Shibuya, where Bob and Charlotte go to meet her friends and enjoy a night of karaoke, singing More Than This and Brass in Pocket. The rooms where they were filmed, the karaoke scenes are 601 and 602 respectively. Both of these rooms are located in an annex to the main building on the corner above Jean's Mate. One thing to be aware of is if you want the window view room, that would mean that you need to book 601. 
Another note of importance is finding the right sixth floor with the right rooms and the correct location can be tricky, as there's another even bigger karaoke con that also has a sixth floor that is not too far away. So please make sure to visit this location early in your trip to try and book these rooms, or even better yet, call. Try to book through the site. Tell them that you want the Lost in Translation rooms. Their number is 03-3462-0785. That's 03-3462-0785. I will include their website in our show notes as well. Now, unless it's been removed during COVID or recently since then, there should be a Japanese sign on the wall that identifies the rooms as ones being used in loss and translation. Pricing information varies per room. It varies by time spent, time of day. So I'm going to leave that information for you to find as you check their website and the link that I provided as we could probably spend the next 15 minutes trying to cover that itself. From there, I'd love to have visited either the club, air, or sushi restaurant that they added together in the movie, but they closed back in 2005 and 2015, respectively. I'm including the golf course that was shown, where Bill could see Fuji so wonderfully, and you can book through their site of their own, but no, you need to bring your own clubs when you visit, as they will not rent them out to you, and it is not right downtown Tokyo or even anywhere near it, it's a three to four hour train ride away. On top of this, this very upscale club won't even allow for your ankles to be shown with low cut socks, and it's going to run you over $130 for the golf course. Bill Murray's tees off on the second hole of this course, though, on the South Nine course. And if you're looking to follow in his footsteps as much as I would like to, I want to instead, you know, do some other things uh, that make the most of our day with our group. If you do end up making this to this golf course that I could easily see going to later on in my life, maybe possibly when I'm just living there itself, send me some pictures. Tell me about it. I'd love to hear some firsthand knowledge about it. Now, I'm going to take our approach, though, of just keeping our things closer to Tokyo. This even goes to when Charlotte visits Kyoto as well. I've included those in this portion of our Google Maps. But again, that's not something we're going to do in a day of go there, see those things, and come back. So instead, just check those out if you want to include them. You can check them out when you're in Kyoto yourself. And if you'd like to have us kind of include those in a Kyoto talk for the show, let me know. Now is as good a time as anyways to get something to eat. So we're going to make our way to one location that is still open from the filming, Shabu Zen Shubuya, and enjoy some Shabu Shabu or Sukiyaki. Shabu Shabu is a popular Japanese-style hot pot, consisting of thinly sliced meat and an assortment of vegetables that are cooked briefly in a simmering broth at the table and is simply divine. This location is found in the basement of the Creston Hotel, and where... Bob and Charlotte sit asking that question, what restaurant makes you cook your own food? Since filming, the tables used in the movie have both been replaced, and the booths have been removed from those and replaced with six chairs. According to what I could find, the staff say that the second table off to the right when you first walk in was the location from the movie. 
Now, there's a variety of items that you can order, one of them being the Tabe Hodai, which is all you can eat for two hours menu that starts around 5,400 for a single plate. But if you're going to do that, most you know, like budget version of the all you can eat, you're going to easily clear 10,000 yen per person, as that 10,000 yen will include a 500 yen table service, 10% tax, and can easily go up from there, depending on what drinks and things that you pick or what quality of meat. I see quite a few people, though, that chose that basic, you know, $100 uh, option. And if this is going to be one of the things that means the most to you on the trip, hey, it's going to be worth it. Now that we have a full stomach, we can head off to the Rainbow Bridge Observation Deck. As the bridge itself is prominently displayed after their night out of karaokeing and partying has come to an end. One thing I was unaware of before doing all this research for today's episode was that there's actually an observation area that doesn't seem to be too well known at all. From Tokyo Station, it's about a 30 to 40 minute combination of utilizing trains and your own power to get to this spot. From this viewpoint, you can see Tokyo Tower, a great view of Tokyo, and even a miniature version of the Statue of Liberty. There are even places to sit and enjoy this view and could end up being an amazing spot for you and your significant other to celebrate with on a date. Before we bring our talk and end today and we head back to Tokyo's Park Hyatt, I wanted to include the location where Bob and Charlotte kiss at the end of the movie and then whisper those words that I've tried to make out in numerous ways countless times. In our Google Maps, I have the longitude and latitude for this spot, but it's a struggle to get like an you know, an exact location using Google Maps as so much has changed since 2004. What I was able to come up with and should get you as close as I possibly can is the location called the Map Camera Store. From reviews, this looks to actually be a pretty amazing location, and it is one of those for Tokyo a great price point for buying used secondhand camera equipment. And let me tell you, if it's anything like my other secondhand purchase experience in Japan, you could end up with a box that looks immaculate and items that look like they've never been used ever. One thing to note, though, is that even though the shop says it is open 24-7, it is at times closed, but shouldn't be too much of an issue as you, you know, like can like poke back in after you, you know, run around for a little bit. Now, in two weeks, you can look forward to hearing from a huge Hanshin Tigers fan and podcast host, T-Ray. And we are going to be talking Japanese baseball, in particular, a game in Osaka. If you've enjoyed today's show, feel free to join and support the show's Patreon. Details can be found in the description of today's show. Our news for today is that I found uh, recently, my friend and I and my son are all looking at JRL passes, and the prices have dropped, my friends. There are some sites that let you book in advance, and if I can get it from my friend, I will include it in our show notes as well. But the green car JRL pass for two weeks is $470. When I went last time with my friends, we spent like $420 for the regular, not first class section of this. And with current baggage rest restrictions, 
Being in the green car actually gets you a little larger luggage and could really end up making a huge difference in your trip. And who knows, you know, like I haven't had, you know, first class experiences in my life uh, all together that often. So I will take this one, let me tell you. So if you're going to be traveling this summer, they let you book pretty far out in advance to lock in your price. And then as it gets closer, uh, they end up reaching back out to get you your information, flights and things like that and get um, all that to you. One other thing to note is that it's no longer that booklet that looked almost like a passport. It's actually a very small ticket that looks identical to ones that you're given for riding the Shinkansen. So, you know, bring some sort of baseball card sleeve, you know, hard plastic, something to put it in so you can keep it separate from everything else and not lose it. Now, when we come back in two weeks, we after our interview, we're going to be continuing our talk on Tokyo, and we'll be hitting upon some less explored upon areas with those. And I truly look forward to all of that. Please give a follow, a like, and comment on your favorite streaming service, my friends. And for updates on the show, feel free to give a follow on Instagram at Lost Without Japan. Japan Tour Adventure. Japan Tour Adventure designs off-the-beaten tracks of walking and cycling guided experiences through the Kansai region, including Osaka, Kyoto, and Nara. We offer some authentic vibes where you wouldn't dare to go on your own with nature, local places, art, food and drink, and a priority on sustainability and zero discrimination with exclusive and unique experiences. Solo travelers, groups, families, friends, we're all waiting for you. For more information about our experiences, visit our website at japantouradventure.com. Looks like we are ready to call it a night before we begin our next adventure as we continue our journey exploring Japan. On behalf of Lost Without Japan and the entire crew, I'd like to thank you for joining us on this trip, and we're looking forward to seeing you on board again in two weeks for our next episode. To everyone out there, Oginki Day. Stay well, my friends. And our song of the show is from our karaoke fun from Lost in Translation, where Bill Murray sings Roxy Music's More Than This.
for relaxing times. Make it Suntory time. Is that everything? I mean, it seemed like he said more than that. You're a movie star. Yes, I should be doing movies. Yeah. You know Rat Pack? Rat, rat Pack? Rat Pack. A ring-a-ding-ding. Mr. Harris, Mr. Kazo sent me my stockings. Lip them. What? Hey, lip my stockings. Lip them? What? What are you doing? My husband's a photographer, so he's here working. He wasn't doing anything, so I came along. What do you do? I'm not sure yet, actually. So what are you doing here? Getting paid $2 million to endorse a whiskey. The good news is the whiskey works. Can you keep a secret? I'm trying to organize a prison break. <laughs> We'd have to first get out of this bar, then the city, and then the country. Are you in or are you out? I'm in. How are you? I'm Bob. Bob. You're probably just uh, having a midlife crisis. Did you buy a Porsche? You know, I was thinking about buying a Porsche. <laughs> I don't know what I'm supposed to be. You'll figure that out. The more you know who you are and what you want, the less you let things upset you. You really are having a midlife crisis, huh? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs>